SEO is AEO. Welcome to the show, Lily Ray. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Love your name. Thank you very I much. I fell in love with your name the moment I saw it. It just sounds like this incredible kind of rock icon. Thank you. That and was you the idea. That was the idea. A rock icon. I was when I was a teenager. Brilliant. <laughs> now I'm a DJ on the side. That's pretty rock and pretty icon. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And a drummer. I'm a drummer. I've been a drummer my whole life. Brilliant. I'll always be a drummer. Yeah, it's kind of like that. Is it something in your soul? That... Absolutely, yeah. And can I ask a question? Sorry. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's what I'm here for. That's it? what you're here for. <laughs> um, when you started playing the drums, did you think, this is my soul, this is my soul instrument? Yeah, so Not soul, S-O-L-E, S-O-U-L. <laughs> yeah, funny enough, I was at um, a hippie party in the Bay Area where I grew up with my mother, and um, it's exactly as it sounds. It's just a bunch of hippies Brilliant. hanging yeah. out, playing drums, um, and I was six years old, and that was my first time experiencing the congas mm. and some other percussion, and it was just like the happiest day of my young life. Yeah. So that's what started me as a drummer. But had you tried, played other instruments before? I played piano before that and violin. And did the violin and the piano just go straight out the did window? did nothing for me, yeah. It was the the piano going out the window has just given a really nice image in my <laughs> mind. <laughs> no pianos out the, out the physical window, but um, no, I'm very grateful that I learned how to play piano. That's actually been very helpful throughout my musical career, yeah. but it, I'm a drummer. That's just, yeah, most people would think piano isn't useful for drums, but it, I'm sure it it's is. It's useful for any, just life. Piano. Life in general, yeah, piano, yeah. piano, the instrument of life. It's absolutely. Because I, I used to play the guitar very badly, and I'm a singer. Okay. And a group said to me, a f bunch of mates were playing in a group, and they said, y you want to be in our band? And I went, yeah, yeah of course I do. <laughs> and they said, we've got enough singers, we've got a guitarist, you have to play double bass. Went, oh, wow. all right. So I bought a double bass, and they said, in 30 days as a gig, if you can play that gig properly, you're in the band. And wow. I learned it in 30 days, and it was that. After 30 days, this is my instrument, this yeah, is the thing. there you go. The harder you beat the thing, the yeah. better it sounds. I feel like that's the story of most famous basses, bassists in the oh, world. Right. Oh, yeah, we never choose, do we? <laughs> it's always like, you've got to learn this instrument. All right, well, i got 30 days. And yeah. And, figure uh, it out. The, the jam, uh, Brian Foxton, yeah. he was the guitarist before, and yeah. then they put him on the bass. Yeah. Paul McCartney, same thing. He exactly. Oh, brilliant. Story. I never thought of that. <laughs> I've just managed to get myself in the same yeah. sentence as Brian Fox and Paul McCartney. <laughs> Who go. can we put you in a, a sentence with? Who's your favourite oh, drummer? Jeez, favourite drummer. I mean, Keith Moon is amazing. He's ah, pretty okay. exciting. Yeah, he's a lot of fun. John Bonham, all the all the legends, you know. Okay, so now we can yeah. say John Bonham, Keith Moon, Lily Ray. I'll take it. <laughs> Sounds great. Brilliant stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm terribly happy to be talking to you about oh, this. Yeah, now, likewise. We're not going to talk about drumming, though. Okay. Uh, we're going to be talking about EAT. Mm -hmm. Uh, you just gave a talk today and the EAT update of whatever, mid-March, mm -hmm. uh, you were saying it's changed quite a lot of things mm -hmm. for you? Well, sort of. So this dates back to August 1st, which was a pretty enormous day in the SEO community. It was. Um, at my agency, we have a handful of clients that were affected pretty heavily by that date. So that kind of sent me on this uh, whirlwind of, of trying to get an understanding of what's going on. Mm read the search quality guidelines because Google rec recommended doing that, um, saw the word EAT many times, mm. realized that was exactly what was missing with my clients that right. were hit. Um, so then we uh, started this project of basically taking all the websites that were both positively and negatively impacted by the updates, kept kind of adding to that list and just mm. analyzing what happened to these sites, you know, using the Wayback Machine to go back and kind of see 
after each update or before each update, kind of what the site looked like, yeah, okay, all the different yeah. EAT signals that we're looking for, how did they fare at each point in time. And for the March update, um, we noticed that a lot of the websites that were hit really heavily last year have made a lot of EAT improvements and have seen huge increases recently. Yeah, so. I mean, so what you're saying is slap in the face from Google, <laughs> they buck their ideas yep. up, they make some efforts, and yep. come the next update, bingo, you're back. The ones who did have seen success. There's some clients that are companies that haven't necessarily, I guess, bought into this idea or haven't had mm. the resources to do so, and they have either seen stagnation after March 12th or just even more uh, declines, I guess. Yeah, I mean, so, so. those who bought in see improvements. Mm -hmm. I mean, now you say it like that, mm -hmm. it sounds a little, like, a little bit, sorry, like penguin or panda. Mm -hmm. It's the thing is, we're going to slap you, mm -hmm. sort it out, mm -hmm. next update, those who sort it out get back. Mm -hmm. Big reward, so it's the kind of slap and reward system, but that probably doesn't exist as a thing, does it? Slap and reward? Well, I think that the algorithm is becoming more and more sophisticated with what it's looking for, oh. and I think that the consensus is generally out there now in the SEO community about what it means to have good EAT. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of talks happening on this topic and a lot of information being shared, so I think sites are going in the right direction and kind of yeah. following what Google's guidelines recommend. and. You can see on March 12th, some sites that were tanking have seen it almost getting back to where they were previously in some cases. Um, yeah. So that's, that's well, promising. I actually have a client who tanked on the 1st of August, okay. saw an improvement at the beginning of March, mm -hmm. and then start, have, have had a wee problem the last few weeks. Yeah. Uh, and they're in the uh, old age people market right, thing. Right, right. So that's obviously very close to the medic mm -hmm. update. For sure. What free advice? What do you think is happening? Yeah, because I mean, we we started sort it out, and then we we picked up some, and it's dropping off again. Yeah, I mean, from what I understand, there hasn't been a major update since March twelfth. Okay. Um, but obviously, SEO is not just about one thing. There's many different factors that could be happening. Maybe they lost some backlinks. Maybe they changed site architecture. Like, there's other things that could happen. Um, but I think that March twelfth was really just a recalibration of, and maybe dialing back for some sites because hmm. the kind of actions that were taken against websites on August 1st were really extreme. Yeah. Um, we personally lost a client that we loved very much because of that update, so that yeah. was a big pain point that, for my that agency. that was in the, the health mm -hmm. beauty Very much, area. very okay. much a health client, YMYL. Uh, so it's been pretty devastating for some websites, but yeah. it's promising to see that the types of changes that we're making can actually result in improvements. Yeah, that's so. really encouraging because I've, I've been reading quite a lot of Marie Haynes. Yep, um, she's the best. She's the best. Love her. Well, I, Marie. I, yeah. <laughs> I love her, but I've never met her, so yeah, she's um, nice. I can't love her that much yeah. yet. We had a, a nice little evening together in New York, so. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, she's nice. I'd like to have an evening with Marie Ange to talk about <laughs> EAT. Uh, Absolutely. But I'm, I'm getting pretty much as good, as far as I can oh, tell, because you. you're obviously right up on this. Yeah. I, I had another client come to me, and they were saying, oh, we've got this big drop at the beginning of August. And they, they thought it was because they'd switched to HTTPS. Mm. Uh, and in fact, it wasn't. Mm. And they were saying, all our sites tanking. And I looked <laughs> at it, and I segmented the site. And the gardening part was fine. Right. The TV guide part was fine. Hmm. And the health and beauty part was tanking so fast, That's so you interesting. wouldn't believe it. Yeah. And Google has just said that, well, from what I see, I mean, yeah. uh, and my consulting work was to go in and say, "That's your problem. That's yeah. the solution." Yeah. And the solution for me is EAT. What is really silly is the person who wrote all these articles has written fifteen books. Wow. And is a doctor. Yeah. And she just hadn't put it up on the site. That's what we're finding a lot of too. It's like 
for many businesses, it's an easy fix. It's just yeah. like disclose, like prevention.com is a really interesting example. Prevention um, of what.com? So prevention.com writes about healthcare and oh, preventing okay. illness and cancer and things of that nature. So they were hit really hard last year, um, which is interesting because they're a company that's been around for 50 years. They're mm. actually a very reputable publication. Um, but they didn't necessarily indicate that when you're looking at the website. Yeah. So. And there you get the thing is you say, are you expert authority uh, authority and trust and they right. go yeah of course we are we've been right. around 50 years and like, but enough. does google know it it's not enough Prove exactly it. exactly and then if you have a team of copywriters that don't have a lot of name recognition mm. that can also cause problems as well so okay you just talked about team of contact writer content mm -hmm. writers if you just got one person writing all this content mm -hmm. is that a disadvantage so in that kind of situation i would recommend working with that one person to build up their own personal eat mm -hmm. Um, if and then piggyback the, the site on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think what Google wants to see is that content can be associated with industry experts. So if that person, if their job is to write about whatever topic every mm. day, they should probably be becoming an expert in that topic. So let's create a, an author bio page for them. Let's add some credentials to it. You know, Another piece of free advice I'd like to ask. Yeah. Um, sorry about this. It's no, it's free fine. Consultation it's great. Um, same client, old people sure. industry. They've got lots of subjects like dental hair, care, dental hair, <laughs> dental care, uh, health care, um, old age people's homes, activities for old people. Sure. Getting one specific expert to write all the answers, mm. all, the, all the articles, and siloing it. Mm -hmm. Is that a good idea? It depends how much credibility that one individual has. Okay. Um, I think it would be better to have, if possible, multiple experts chiming in about what they're actually an expert on um, and just kind of focusing them into whatever category or niche on the website that, that uh, relates to what they do. Um, so only do that, only use that approach if you're able to truly prove that this person is actually an expert on all those topics, which might be kind of a, a far stretch. So. Yeah, I know. I really like the idea of truly prove. Yeah. I mean, it's a nice little kind of double word thing going on there, yeah. I mean, truly prove. Um, and it is prove that you're worthy of EAT exactly. in Google's eyes, and it's not in your customer's eyes or in your eyes, mm -hmm. it's Google. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to please the beast, absolutely. play by its rules. Trick question, mm -hmm. so I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. What are the constituent parts of E, constituent parts of A, mm -hmm. the constituent parts of T? Okay. So E is expertise. Yeah, and what, what, how do we build that up? Yeah. So. I mean, as we were talking about before, you have to establish who you are either as a brand or as a creator of the content or as a, an author that's writing the content. Yeah. And there has to be a visible place on the site that kind of indicates why that you should be trusted on this topic, especially for YMYL websites. That's your money, your life, financial, legal, medical, medical yeah. type sites. Okay. Um, and if you're a brand, uh, you want to think about having an about page that mm. talks about your business. Some companies actually just miss this detail, which is a really great, yeah, it's a great recommendation. Just talk about how long you've been in business, why you should be trusted, any awards that you've won, mm -hmm. um, who your team is, what their credentials are. Yeah, I mean, something like being an accountant or being a doctor or whatever it is, is exactly. actually saying, I went to that college, did exactly. that degree, exactly. and being uh, an alumni mm -hmm. of that college on that college's Wikipedia page, for example, exactly. or on their site, and, and, and making that point mm -hmm. to Google to prove it. Is that fair? Yeah, point? And, and that's expert. Yeah, and, and, and another thing Google always says to do in the search quality guidelines is you should be able to take 
the business's name or the individual's name and go onto the search results and look up that in that business or that individual and, and get a good understanding for how people feel about them in general. So if you have a situation like Travelocity last year where there's a lot of one-star reviews out there on Trustpilot and on you know different review sites, that was enough to make their site tank tank by 50% last year. I like the word tank. I yeah, never use it's it, a pretty strong word, but that's what happened. I mean, I'm being a parrot. You said it once. So I'm just going to say it all the way through. 50% loss in organic traffic is a pretty big deal. Oh, sure. Yeah, okay. So... Um, so, sorry, so actually we need to be completely obsessed now by brand SERPs yeah. and personal brand SERPs. So what comes up when we type the brand name? Exactly. Are the results positive? Are mm -hmm. they accurate? Mm -hmm. um, and do they prove our expertise now the authority? Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you prove authority? Expertise is I've got a qualification right, or I've right. or written all these articles for authority. How do you prove that? Well, so what's interesting, I actually sat with John Mueller yesterday. It was really exciting. And we talked a little bit about this. And you know, when Google put out an article in a, a couple months ago about how Google fights disinformation, they said, well, we look for correlating factors with the algorithm in EAT. And one of the most obvious correlating factors is backlinks. So I asked John, like, is that the only thing you're looking at? He said, well, keep in mind that uh, you know, there can be backlinks that are pointing to a site that are actually kind of negative in sentiment. Mm -hmm. Like if there's a big scam of a website and the New York Times writes about it and they link to the website, even though that's a link from the New York Times, that shouldn't necessarily be treated as a quality signal because it's mm -hmm. actually saying never trust this website, don't shop there, whatever the case may be. So that's something that they're looking at as well. So reputation around an expert uh, is something that is very important. So it's not just about hey, I've created a lot of buzz out there and hmm. a really controversial figure. If that's the case, Google might not trust what you have yeah. to say. So, yeah, the, the creating a buzz around something terribly dis debatable is not authority. Exactly. Authority is that people agree with you and confirm what it is right. you're saying and say, this person is a valid source of information. Exactly. And you mentioned very quickly trust there mm -hmm. uh, and the idea of trust-based knowledge, which mm -hmm. is, hooks into my, my favorite topic, which is the knowledge graph. Right. And Zin Luna Dong, who started this whole thing of saying knowledge needs to be collected and we need to trust that knowledge. And she uses the example of gossip sites, which have a mm. very high page rank and yep. a very low trust rank. Yep. Trust rank, a thing, not a thing? <laughs> So Google mentions gossip sites in the quality guidelines, and I have a gossip client, so this is near and dear to my heart. Mm. Um, and it's always a question of, like, does this apply for gossip sites who are just talking about gossip? And Google literally says, like, EAT can apply to every di different type of website, including gossip websites. So they can be a trustworthy gossip site. You have to provide trustworthy gossip. So if you have a reputation for providing gossip that ends up being bunk or not true, or people have take issue with it or take issue with your brand, then they're gonna, that's going to decrease your EAT. Yeah, okay. And so it turns out to be a non-truth and therefore not useful right. either for users or for the knowledge graph. Exactly. So a gossip site can be useful as long as the gossip turns out to be true. Yeah, and I mean, another example I used in my talk was Urban Dictionary, which is a funny website. It's all mm -hmm. based on user-generated content. It's all slang. It's oh. comical in many cases, but the site's been improving since the algorithm updates, and that's really? because it's high-quality content. They're not yeah. a client of yours. They're not a client of But you of just mine. hang out there a lot. We've been analyzing a lot of different <laughs> websites to see what's going on. But yeah, I do actually find myself on Urban Dictionary quite a bit. Because it, it's funny. Uh, and what they've then done is said, well, actually, all of this is contributions from real people. It's useful and this information. Is, yeah. yeah. And, and time on site, bounce rate, does that play in? I think so. I mean, this is a controversial topic. Uh, Google Stick recently denied it. Um, 
Google recently denied it, but then there's a bunch of patents that kind of talk about the fact that this is exactly what Google's focusing on right now. So I like to think, regardless of whether or not it's an explicit ranking factor, of course, we should be focusing on those metrics as indicators of content quality. Yeah, I mean, but we should be concentrating on them just because we want to keep our potential customers. Exactly. That's a reason enough, yeah. And and that's the thing, I mean, kind of overall, this whole thing is, is saying we have over the years forgotten why we're here yeah. and we're not just here to trick Google we're here to actually serve the customers totally uh, and make them feel comfortable mm-hmm. I mean as you were saying earlier on lots of sites don't have their about us page I mean I've got clients yeah. you just go and say who are you mm-hmm. and they said well I'm me and then you're going to prove it now we're going to start proving yeah. it and that's the first thing I do yeah. and once you've done that you've got your about us page mm-hmm. the people on the company what I'm tending to say now is use the people to valorize the company and yeah. the company, company to valorize the, pe- the, mm-hmm. the people and mm-hmm. they both build up, mm-hmm. yeah? I think so. I mean, some companies are kind of uncomfortable with it because it means disclosing who's writing your content. And for many companies, uh, that's mm-hmm. scary because maybe they've been using really cheap freelancers to write their content. So in situations like that, um, it's scary just because I don't think that's gonna be a sustainable strategy for YMYL websites going forward. No. But uh, one thing you can explore doing is almost have like a face of the company who's someone that does have a lot of credentials and make sure that that individual is reviewing the content and putting their name behind the content. So even if it's written by a writer that nobody really knows, you can say it's been reviewed by XYZ, who's an expert that runs the company and they have the credentials. And that brings me on to my next point, which is all this content that exists that has no EAT because it's been written by a cheap freelancer because we've been cheapskates and want to save money (laughs) and cut corners. Can you then go back and say, right, let's get this reviewed by a real expert and mm-hmm. have an uh, article with no author name and mm-hmm. just reviewed by or corrected mm-hmm. by? Is mm-hmm. that a reasonable thing to do? Is that rubbish? I think that's a reasonable thing to do. So one thing that we've done in our analysis of looking at sites that have made improvements is we've actually taken the text on the page and compared it side by side with one of these tools that allows you to see mm-hmm. any updates that have been made to the content. and. Um, Noticing it's almost like a new editor came in and just completely revamped it, changed a lot of the sentence structure, the citations, the grammar. Yeah. Um, so you can't just turn up and just put a name at the bottom and say suddenly this has been no. reviewed. You have to change it because Google isn't stupid. And exactly. I think Google's thing. capable of doing the same type of exercise. Um, <laughs> but a lot of people underestimate They talk about how intelligent Google is, and at the same time, they, they seem to imagine it's incredibly stupid. And you go, yeah. you can't have both. Well, I liked, uh, at one point, John Mueller was like, you know, if, you, if the tools can tell you for example, that links are toxic, we're, we're not even looking at those links because mm. we're way past that. Yeah, we have way that. more sophisticated ways of understanding this stuff. So I think it's true for content analysis. Well, so that comes down I mean, if an idiot like me right. can, can figure something out in a couple of minutes, right. it's sure that Google's it's figured out a very long time ago. Yeah. And people come to me and you go, with, with PBNs doing all their backlinking, and you're saying, if I can spot the PBN in like 20 minutes, right. Google's obviously done it. And yeah. I go, but no, no, I'm doing it really cleverly. But you're not, because I've just not. spotted it. Yeah. yeah, that's that's what they're getting more and more sophisticated mm. with, is understanding links that have been manipulated in any way. And I think that for that reason, you know, as an SEO, you probably are the same thing. When you check your LinkedIn inbox, it's like 40 different people's trying to sell me PBN links. And it's such a, it's such a crazy thing that the industry is still there's still a component of our industry that's so focused on that because it's like even if it works for a week or a month, it's just not a smart thing to do if you but, care but, about it. But isn't yourself. that, I mean, this is the problem with a eat, yeah. the problem in inverted commas, and doing right. inverted commas for the people listening who right. can't see, uh, is that eat is fundamentally 
a fundamental change, a fundamental change of way of looking at things. It's difficult to do. It takes a lot of time. It takes right. a lot of thought. And you have to be honest and it costs money. Exactly. Buying links doesn't. Exactly. And so all these people, mm -hmm. going, that's quick and easy. And he's yeah. promising me the, the, the loon. Mm -hmm. Sorry, that was French. The, wor the world. <laughs> the moon. Ah. Um, and on the other side, Lily Ray is telling me to rewrite all my content by somebody who I've actually got yeah. to pay a decent amount of money to, stick his name or her name at the bottom, do my about, and oh, this is going to cost me money, and it's going to take six months to a year to actually have an effect. Being white hat is a, it's hard. It's hard. You get a lot of pushback. Um, I was black hat once in the day. and uh, Really? Yeah, it was like probably eight years ago at this point when it still worked. Okay. And then it stopped working, and now I've been whitehead ever since. Oh, and so I'm like, you're Yay. just incredibly pragmatic. <laughs> it was a career move at the time, but whitehead is—it's very rewarding when it works. It, um, yeah. But you, you sleep do get, well at night. yeah, and you do get a lot of clients that aren't willing to wait. So mm. that's always hard to navigate, especially yeah. in an agency setting. You know, we have a lot of different clients, a lot of different personalities. Some of them don't understand how long this stuff takes, or don't want to in, really, truly invest in it. So, so we need to educate them. We do. That's our job as SEOs. Part of it. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's part of the job. Oh, it's a big part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in fact, no, actually, you're right. It's an enormous part of it. It's actually educating people as to what needs to be done. Yeah. Um, as in an agency, I feel like that's 80% of it. It's we, we know what needs to be done on our end. Now we have to communicate that in a way that makes sense for clients that don't have a lot of time to understand this stuff. Hmm. As soon as you start talking technical SEO, it's like way over their head. They don't even want to hear it. So it's, uh, I think that's a lot of our job. Brilliant. Getting buy-in. The summary of the job of an SEO, yeah. Lily Ray, that was brilliant. <laughs> oh, I really you. enjoyed that. Thank you. SEO is AEO. Thank you, Lily. Thank you very much. Brilliant.